it funny how the devil can keep you from the answer? It's like you can be in a nation that knows so many things but doesn't know Jesus. Well, who's Jesus? What did he say? You know, our nation is amazingly ignorant of Jesus. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. When God wants to get your attention, He has some amazingly creative ways of doing it. Hi everybody and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire and thanks for joining us this time. Today we're continuing through the book of Daniel in our series entitled, Courageous Living. There are few accounts in the Bible more arresting and shocking than what happened one night when God crashed a sinful party held by King Belshazzar of Babylon. Everyone was having the time of their life when suddenly a hand just a hand, appeared in front of a wall and began writing a message on it. It's safe to say that party was over with. The message could only be interpreted once again by Daniel, and it spelled the doom of an entire kingdom. You don't want to miss this gripping story, so grab your Bible and follow along as I share the message, The Handwriting on the Wall. Now, last time we saw how, due to his pride, it was pride that brought Nebuchadnezzar down. He lost his mind and was reduced to walking around on all fours, eating grass like a cow for seven years. I still can't get over that. But the Bible says it, so it's true. But what a life, right? What a life. A true vegan. (laughs) Finally, his reason returned to him. And he emerged from his great trial with this confession. God does according to his will. He is sovereign over all things and is to be given the glory for all that we have. And so he said, you know, this kingdom of Babylon didn't come from me. God gave it to me. And God gave you everything you have. Your gifts, your abilities, the clothes on your back, wherever you're going to go tonight, God gave it to you. I learned a long time ago, we don't really own anything. We're stewards over some things. But if you think you own it, just wait and watch and see how fast you can lose it. We're stewards. Amen? We're not owners of anything. He just kind of loans them to us. All right. Now, chapter 5 begins with Nebuchadnezzar having died and his grandson, Belshazzar, is ruling the kingdom of Babylon in his place. Now, your Bible is going to quote Daniel more than likely. I know the New King James does. I'm sure the KJV does and most of the other translations is going to quote Daniel later in the chapter identifying Nebuchadnezzar as Belshazzar's father, that Belshazzar is Nebuchadnezzar's son. But the Hebrew word used is actually the word for descendant. And so Belshazzar, if you just track the records, is actually Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. And he's now ruling Babylon. Now, the Holy Spirit, in inspiring the Bible decided to give us our first glimpse of Belshazzar in a way that tells us all we need to know about him. He's a party animal. 
How many of you used to be a party animal, but you've been delivered from that? All the rest of you are just lying, sitting out there lying, <laughs> wearing your halo over your head. All right, but here's the deal. This Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, is a party animal, and he is bad news. He's godless, he's sacrilegious, he's idolatrous, and he's a blasphemer. And chapter 5 opens with Belshazzar throwing a party, and it's a big one. Look at verse 1. Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast for how many? A thousand. So this is a major party. thousand of his lords. So this is a thousand of the who's who's and the creme de la creme of the kingdom of this godless king. And they drank wine in the presence of the thousand. So this is a huge feast with over a thousand people in attendance. The atmosphere is one of drunken abandon. No worries. All is well. The attitude is, let's party hardy. There's nothing to worry about. Oh, this is so, to me, this chapter is so ironic. Because these people don't know they're hours away from destruction. Now, for the record, this is the same reckless attitude of abandon that we find in Noah's day before the flood. Remember Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And what did he say? They were eating and drinking. Now, that word drinking, he's referring to alcoholic drinking. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and the eating carries the idea of gluttony. They were gluttonously eating and drinking alcohol. They were doing business transactions. They were living a hedonistic lifestyle. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So before the flood hit, this was their attitude. Let's just live with abandon. Let's live without restraint. Let's live without morals. Let's live the way we want to. Let's live hedonistically. Let's live for pleasure. Forget God. Who's God? Forget God. We don't care about God. Jesus said the same thing about Lot. And as it was in the days of Lot, he tells us in Luke, as it was in the days of Lot, same thing. They were eating gluttonously, drinking alcohol, marrying, giving in marriage, doing business transactions, and then the fire fell, and no one expected it. Judgment fell in the middle of a party atmosphere. That's the idea. So I believe that's the attitude of America today. I believe America has lost all fear of God. America as a whole has no fear of God. And because we've got this attitude, let's eat gluttonously, let's drink, let's party hardy, forget about God, don't worry about scruples, don't worry about morals, do whatever you want, if it feels good, do it. That's the philosophy of our day. We are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's America. Come on. And if you think otherwise, I want to know what you're reading or what you're watching that's leading you to believe it's anything other than what I just said. Because it's not. Our Supreme Court has totally departed from God, put its seal of approval on perversion. Our nation as a whole has walked away from all biblical teaching. And our attitude is the same as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, as it was the night of Belshazzar's judgment. So it is right now. So we see that judgment falls suddenly and God crashes the party. Belshazzar has no fear of God. He next displays an utter lack of respect for the things of God. It says in verse 2, while he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from where, everybody? 
the temple, the holy temple. You've got to pay attention here. Where did he get these gold and silver vessels, drinking goblets and whatnot that were dedicated to God in the temple for temple use? For the use of God. What did he do? He had them taken out of Jerusalem when Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem and took all of those, the kingdom of Judah captive into Babylon. They also raided the house of God, took all these gold and silver vessels and brought them over into Babylon. Now it's these vessels he's calling for, Belshazzar. And what does he want to do with them? That the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. He wanted to turn them into party vessels for drunkenness. Oh, man. This is really serious because he's not recognizing what is sacred. And I've talked to you about this. A couple of weeks ago, I remember telling you that one of the marks of a declining culture or a declining individual is you no longer discern between the sacred and the common. And you'll take what is sacred and use it for common usage. See, like for instance, your body is sacred to God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's why it's wrong for us to take our body and give it to what is common or what is sinful. Paul tells us in Romans 12, one, present your body. A living what? Sacrifice. Holy unto God, which is your reasonable service in light of what God did for you through Jesus Christ. Okay? So our bodies are sacred and holy. But how does our generation see the body? Use it whatever you want to use it for. You know, give your body over to sin, turn it over to sin, and, and, and whatever feels good, just do it and live for pleasure. All right, so here they are bringing the sacred and using it for a sinful use to get drunk. Then they brought the gold vessels, verse 3, that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank alcohol from them. Now, the gold and the silver vessels he called for, as I said, had been taken from Solomon's temple, that beautiful, glorious temple that had been dedicated to God when the Jews were taken captive. They were sacred, set apart, sanctified only for God's service. And Belshazzar's judgment is not only being affected by his lack of godly character, that he would do this. He's drinking, and you know, everybody else is drinking. And have you noticed how people that keep drinking get more and more obnoxious? more and more stupid, more and more crazy. So as they're just throwing it back, all of a sudden he says, hey, go get the stuff that we got from the temple, those gold and silver goblets. Go get them. Let's use them to get drunk. He's losing his reason. Let me tell you, I believe partly because he was totally depraved anyway, but also pay attention now. Watch this. Alcohol is deadening his discernment. Okay? It's blurring his ability to discern between the sacred and the common. And that's why every once in a while, I, I don't rail about it. I don't go on and on about it. But I will tell you, I don't like alcohol. I don't like what it does to people. I deal with it too much. I can't tell you the number of precious people in our church that are fighting an addiction to it. Their first drink, they wanted to do it, but it got to the place where they had to do it. And it binds you. And here's the thing about it. With every sip you take, you lessen your ability to make good choices. 
Okay? How many people wake up every morning with great regret over what they did when they had one too many? He said, well, Jeff, what's too many? That's up to you. If you never drank another drop of alcohol, you'll never hurt for it. I'm just telling you. Does the Bible say you can't drink? I can't tell you that. The Bible doesn't say that you can't drink. But here's my deal. They drank wine. They didn't have 120... Thousand proof stuff that, you know, a few sips and you're cross-eyed. They didn't have that. So what I'm saying is that we're looking here at a man who comes to his doom in the midst of drunkenness. How many people does that happen to? Right? So alcohol is blurring his ability. Ah, go get the goblets from the temple. Go get that. We don't care about what they were dedicated for. Let's get drunk with them. Watch. God was watching. Okay? And then he doesn't stop there. They bring these treasured vessels that Solomon had dedicated to God. They bring them. They fill them up with wine. They start drinking the wine with them. But he doesn't stop there. Look what it says in verse 4. They drank wine, and they went, and they committed idolatry. And praise the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. They start bowing down to things that can't hear, see, talk, Guide, help, deliver, heal, nothing. It's stupid. They're stuck on stupid. The more they drink, the stupider they get. So on top of the sacrilege, now they're committing idolatry. As if a drunken orgy mixed with desecration of what is sacred weren't enough. Now they openly break forth in praise of useless idols. Drunkenness, desecration of sacred things, and brazen worship of false gods... Proved to be the final straw with Almighty God. They had no clue that Almighty God was watching. And as he did these three things, this king and all that were there at the party, as they all partook of this, there was a God who was watching. And a line was crossed. And they didn't know any line had been crossed. And I've often talked about this line. Somebody, an individual can cross a line or a nation can cross a line. And when they cross that line, usually the people that cross it have no clue because they're so drunk in sin. But they cross it. I personally believe that America has crossed that line. I do. And I believe that America is under judgment right now, and I believe that severe judgments are coming for this land. I do. Or the Bible is a liar. I'm not a prophet, but I'm a Bible student. And I read my Bible, and you can't read your Bible and not know that America is under judgment and is going to experience severe judgments because we're not just walking in brazen sin. We are holding our fist up to God and double-dog daring Him to judge us. And our God will take you up on it when you cross that line. They crossed a line. And God saw it. Now look what happened in verse 5. In the same hour, wow, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Can you imagine? He's thinking, what did I drink? What was in that wine? Because I'm seeing fingers writing on a plaster wall. God's about to crash the party. And the king saw it. And the lampstand mentioned here, notice, I'm going back to it. Notice it says, opposite the lampstand. The lampstand mentioned here 
may have also been something taken from the temple when Jerusalem fell. And that way the handwriting on the wall directly behind the lampstand would connect the message of judgment that the hand was writing with the sacrilege of the vessels. Okay? Notice that nothing is visible in the divine manifestation but fingers. There's no palm. There's no arm. Only the fingers of a hand. Remember The Invisible Man? Everybody watched that movie, The Invisible Man? That takes me back. It's in black and white, I think. But I remember thinking that was so cool. This guy walked around all bandaged up. When he took the bandages off, he wasn't there. Now, can you imagine taking all the bandages off and only leaving fingers? There's just fingers, and they're up there writing slowly on the wall. I wouldn't take another sip. It's time to put this down. You talk about a party stopper. Everybody say God knows how to crash a sinful party. Oh, yes, he does. Now, verse 6, then the king's countenance changed. I think so. And his thoughts troubled him. They ought to. I love this. The joints of his hips were loosened and his knees start knocking against each other. He's about to collapse on the floor over this sight because not only does he see it, they all see it. It got real quiet. Belshazzar is justifiably terrified. When God's judgment falls, folks, it's always terrifying. It's always unnerving, and you know what? It's never expected. Noah's generation didn't expect it. Lot's generation didn't expect it. And Belshazzar didn't expect it. And Jesus said our world would not be expecting his return. It'll be sudden. So suddenly these fingers appeared. Now look at verse 7. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, who does this remind you of? His grandfather, right? Whoever read, he said in verse 7, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. So here we go again. Belshazzar has learned nothing from his grandfather's experience with fraudulent occultists. Remember Nebuchadnezzar, he called for the same group, the same motley crew, and they could not interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and now they can't interpret the handwriting on the wall. They're clueless because they're frauds. And as before, they cannot help. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled, just like Nebuchadnezzar, his grandfather, once again. His countenance was changed. His lords were all astonished. Isn't it interesting how twice with Nebuchadnezzar and once with his grandson, Belshazzar, God uses a means of communication, two dreams and the handwriting on the wall that require Daniel to be brought to the forefront. It's like it takes a crisis to bring the real man of God to the fore. And so here comes Daniel again. But what we're about to see is that Belshazzar knew nothing about the wisest man in his entire kingdom. And that ought to tell you a lot about Belshazzar. 
He knew all the astrologers. He knew all the Chaldeans, all the soothsayers, all the magicians. He knew all the occultists. But the wisest man on the planet and the wisest man in Babylon, he didn't know a thing about him. His queen had to tell him, Hey, dear, look what it says. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. She hadn't been in this mess. She shows up now. She's probably the only sober one. And the queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever, yada, 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 right? Don't let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is what, everybody? Read it with me. The Spirit of the Holy God. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. There's a man in your kingdom that has the Holy Ghost, that has the Holy Spirit. And in the days of your father, your grandfather Nebuchadnezzar, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. How did he not know this? How did he not know this? Makes me nuts. I wonder about these kings. But he knew all the magicians that Daniel was over, but he didn't know about Daniel. Isn't it funny how the devil can keep you from the answer? It's like you can be in a nation that knows so many things but doesn't know Jesus. They don't know anything about Jesus. Jesus? Who's Jesus? What did he say? You know, our nation is amazingly ignorant of Jesus. I was in a store recently, and I was waiting for something. And I got to talking to this little lady there who was this elder Jewish woman. And we were talking, and I told her I was a pastor. And every time you say that, it shuts them down. Well, God sure knows how to crash a party when it's an abomination to Him. And He also knows how to bring an entire kingdom to a close. I don't know about you, but I've been reminded in today's message that the God of the Bible is indeed the God of nations. When He wants to raise one up, He does so. And when He wants to close it down, He does that also with the blink of His eye. We serve a great and a mighty God who is to be loved, but also revered and feared in a healthy way. Now, don't go anywhere because we've got some exciting things to share with you, our Life Talk listeners, that I believe you're going to be very interested in. And until next time, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. Now, here's our announcer. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand. Today's broadcast or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. 
You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. And you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. The Handwriting on the Wall is the fifth message of Pastor Jeff's series, Courageous Living. You can own a copy of this 13-CD set for just $65 plus shipping. Log on to LifeTalkRadio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Courageous Living, for only $65 plus shipping. By logging on to LiveTalkRadio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Music.